you think it's safe to ask them? Hear me. All you hosts gathered here. Kill everyone now. Condone first-degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit. Well, I think we're about ready. Quiet, everyone. Filth are my politics. Filth is my life. From the whispers of the damned, deep within the bowels of hell, welcome to Astro Radio Z.
Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. I'm your host, Derek, as always. And today I had a weird idea. This year for Astro Radio Z, I told you guys, and mostly I told my Patreon supporters, that I wasn't really going to be doing a lot of episodes. The reasoning, because I wanted to focus on other pursuits, other creative pursuits that I have. I've already started to motion some things that I want to focus on that. And Astro Radio Z, for the most part, if I let it, takes up a considerable amount of my creative headspace. I mean, I, I sit and watch endless shit movies to talk about here on uh, the podcast. And honestly, I just kind of wanted a little bit of a break. But this came up in the old gimmicks group, the idea for today's episode. And I felt this would be an interesting episode to sit and do. Now, today, I'm not going to be doing this episode with anybody else. You're getting just a strictly me episode when I'm talking about the main topic we're talking about today, which is the horror iceberg. What is the horror iceberg, you ask? Well, 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 well. This is one of those many memes that you see rummaging about and popping up and littering itself all over your Facebook, where if you're in like horror message groups or you're just in groups with cult film fans, they have these icebergs that basically the meme is you have it sectioned off from the top, which is the baby stuff, to the bottom, which is the subhuman ghoul trash of films. Now, we're going to go level by level by level here on the podcast. Now, I, I just to let you know, because this particular iceberg, there's multiples out there of this meme where some of them don't go as dark as the one I'm talking about today. And there's things on the bottom of this list that I plain haven't seen and I will never see. And I won't really have much to talk about. I'm going to talk about how deep down I go on this horror iceberg meme. Because there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight levels of this horror iceberg. And I get down to level six. What that says about me, I'm not sure. I think the vast majority of the people that listen to Astro Radio Z, for the most part, either get to about level four or level six. Some may, I mean, there may be some hardcore ghouls out there that listen to this show. And if you've gotten to level eight, um, I would throw your computer away. I would definitely check to see if uh, you're on FBI, any FBI watch lists. I don't want you to contact me. I don't want you to send me these videos. I don't want anything to do with this shit. <laughs> Who knows? Even talking about it, I may be in trouble for this. Um, but this shit at the very end of this list. And I have a very cursory knowledge based on some YouTube videos that uh, covered this particular iceberg um, of what this stuff even is on the bottom of the list. I don't think I don't think I have that hard of ghouls listening to this, but you never know. You absolutely never know what your audience is and what they're capable of. So um, we're just going to go through what 
I have experienced and how far down the iceberg I go and maybe have a conversation. Maybe I'll have my own internal conversation as to why we would even explore uh, these nether regions and uh, ugh, disgusting depths of horror fandom and what that says about us as fans. So today, that's what the plan is. I'll break this down level by level. We'll talk about the movies that are in these uh, levels, and uh, I'll name through them all. Obviously, I haven't seen all these things, so we'll go as far as we can. So right now, we're going to take a short break. We're going to pop into another segment of Astro Radio Z, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the tip of the iceberg, the first two levels of the horror iceberg, which are above water. So. Listeners that listen to this around their children, you'll be safe. Because after we get underwater, watch the fuck out. It's going to get gnarly. So let's take a break and uh, I'll catch you in a minute. You are listening to Astro Radio Z. Sometimes trashy, sometimes classy, always raw and never flashy. Welcome to the massacre. Hello folks, Vaughn here, yet again delving deep into the annals of pink film. If you don't know what pink film is, it's a form of Japanese sexploitation that ran between the early 60s to the mid-80s. Tonight we're going to talk about 1974's Section Fury. This film was directed by one of the godfathers of the genre, Norobami Suzuki, who's best known for stuff like the Girl Boss Gorilla films, School of the Holy Beast, Star of David Beauty Hunting, or um, 
was it Star Day of Beautiful Girl Hunting Beautiful Girls? I think they released it here in the States. I think I think Synapse is putting that on Blu-ray. I can't wait. Um, stuff like the uh, Terrifying Girl School Saga, um, Shogun's Ninja. He did a lot of great genre, but he's mostly known for the stuff he did in the pink. Tonight, like I said, we're going to talk about Sex and Fury. Now, Sex and Fury stars Riko Aika, Christina Lumberg, Amika Noyeshki, Yorika Ime, and that's pretty much what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to butcher, and I do apologize. Now, the, the Riko Aika is best known for stuff like the Terrifying Girl School Saga, Girl Boss Gorilla, a lot of those kind of like girl delinquent films of the 70s. Uh, she's also in the Graveyard Honor um, series. Christina Lindbergh, if you don't know who she is, she is best known for being uh, in Thriller, A Cruel Picture, and... Um, Exposed in a bunch of um, Swedish exploitation, Swedish sexploitation of the 70s. Um, there's something, her work is very interesting. And she was in this film and another film in Japan, another sexploitation film. Um, it's very interesting. It's very, it's very weird. Very kind of kinky. Anyway, <laughs> okay, quick and dirty on this. During the Meiji era, which is the, ni- the early 1900s, a gambler called Oyoko takes revenge on three gangsters who killed her father, shelters a wanted anarchist, and confronts a British spy. Right? So, what is it? Oyoko is a... At the start of the film, she is a young child. Witnesses three men kill her father. Three robbers. They just steal his wallet. And they leave all these tokens all over the floor. Um, a, fan, uh, a Japanese card game called Hanabana. Oh, Hanafuba, sorry, uh, which is an interesting game. Um, you kind of match tiles to make points, and you can do the signs of the Aquarius months of the of the month of the year. You know, four tiles kind of equal one thing, and you get certain points. Um, the, the interesting thing about it is that two of the killers in this film, two of the bad guys in this film, have um, corresponding tattoos that are related to that game. To that game, their tattoos are very much in the same. Their back tattoos are in the same kind of um, style, tattooed in the same style as those cards. And when she sees them, she witnesses them dead, her father dead, and his hands are three of those cards with three corresponding different animals. And you find out later that these three bad guys are also have these same tattoos on them. I don't know how he saw this. You know, and he even asks, are you killing me because I'm a detective? And you later find out that's exactly why, because he knew too much. Um, and ultimately would have caused their downfall. Um, she is not a gambler per se. She's more of a pickpocket. After her father died, she was brought into a family, of, uh, family a clan of pickpockets, all women, um, which is probably some of the funnier moments in the film. When she goes back to this house, um, and they have very kind of goofy characters in there. Um, like I said, there's an anarchist who's trying to kill a high-standing high uh, official. Um, we later find out he is also kind of attached to the British spy, a.k.a. Christina Lindbergh's character. Um, at one point, they got together, got it on. Nice, beautiful scene of them having, making love, I guess you can say. There's no uh, pink film, you don't know. It's mostly a lot of tits and ass, no penetration, no showing of the bottom parts, um, no showing of that any at all. It kind of corresponded by covering those scenes, either by having them still have their clothes on or covering with a pot or a, something in the in the room to cover that scene, to cover that area. It's It's cool. 
because that's how these directors have to work around it. They can show this stuff, but they can't show because of Japanese mores. They can't show the bottom half of a woman or a man. It's, you know, it's taboo, ultimate taboo. Um, so she goes around. Um, ultimately, the first thing that starts her her journey is that she witnesses a gambler get killed who cheats, and as he, in his dying breath, he tells her why he had to do this, and it's ultimately to get his son, his his sister, at a hawk because she had been kidnapped by a gangster, um, and you know. So he goes. She goes on the journey to avenge him and get her sister, and save her sister, right? And then the kind of shit goes left and right, center. Um, you have Christina Lindbergh as a British spy. You don't really. You find that out later in the film as it gets deeper and deeper. Um, she's brought in there with with a British man. She has a a loaded six shooter in her kind of garter, which is pretty cool. That she can just pull from these fucking big gusset fucking dresses. It's crazy. Um. The violence in the film is pretty fun. If you're not a big fan of rape, there's a couple of rapes in here, so you may you may want to go. Eh. Um, but they're kind of like, like I said, Japanese. They don't, you know, they're not showing you fucking a woman get her all her clothes off. Maybe she's getting her top ripped off, uh, or if she's naked, you may see her ass, but you'll never see the other parts. Uh, and they're pretty vicious because it's just, and it's the bad guys doing the bad things to the to good people. It's you know typical kind of mores of the time and mores of the time now. Um. Uh, Ultimately, there's some really great um, sword fights in the film, especially with our main character. Um, there's a scene where she's completely butt-ass naked, fighting with people, fighting a whole bunch of men with a small sword, small like dagger-style sword. Um, and there are scenes when she's she is in her full kimono with her. It's great because at the end, you think you're going to see her full tits, and you, she's got her, her 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 actually her chest all bandaged up, but she's got her her kimono shields shoulders off to get more traction. It's a really cool film. I know it was released on DVD at some point. It's a film that definitely needs to be re-released on Blu-ray. Um, I watched this on Prime. You know, rented it because I was like, "Ooh," because I was gonna. Because there's another film that follows this film, which I think is a lot better. I like this film, but I'm not completely blown away by it. Um, I think the people, the characters, and the actors do a great job. Um, but it's you know the the, se- the film that comes after this, which we'll talk about next, uh, next time I come back on here, is a much more intense, much more crazier film. Um, so yeah, go check it out if you want. Um, I don't know. Thank you for listening. I guess you can say. If you want more of this, you can always check out my what, my podcast, Motion Picture Massacre. Um, yeah. All right. Bye. Fuck. Hey, Godzilla. It's over. You must forgive! Damn lizard! This is Astro Radio Z and we love talking about movies with you. If you are looking for more episodes, and want to become part of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z and become a monthly subscriber to have access to not only over 100 plus bonus episodes of content, but a monthly bonus episode of Astro Radio Z and censored with Mark the Movie Man where you, the listener tell us what to cover on the show. Jump in. Make Astro Radio Z yours and become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z.
Okay, folks, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that segment of Motion Picture Massacre. Vaughn, of course, as you are well aware, being proper Astro Zombies, was on all of my Andy Milligan episodes. But he runs his own podcast. If you aren't following him and listening to the Motion Picture Massacre podcast, please go give the guy a follow. Go over there, subscribe to his podcast. He watches all sorts of horseshit on his podcast, and he breaks them down the same as that segment. If you enjoyed that segment, please go give our, our dear friend and contributor Vaughn a follow and a subscribe on his podcast. But anyways, we are back to really start to dip our toes into the horror iceberg. Yeah, this is a meme show. I already explained it to you, but we're getting to it. Now, what we're going to talk about in this segment of the show, we're going to talk about the first two sections of the horror iceberg, which are the sections that are above water. As I, I look at the movies that are in these sections, they are the typical horror movies that most people love and that they talk about. Now, most of the stuff that that's in here, I mean, any horror fan from a newbie to a mildly obsessed horror fan have seen all these movies for the most part. This isn't stuff that you're going to be totally unaware of. This is also stuff that's not going to really rock the boat. There may be a few instances here in these first two tiers where maybe more sensitive viewers might go, ooh, that's a little too much for me. Like, I know my girlfriend on the second tier, there's a couple movies where she's like, don't ever show me those. I don't want to ever watch that. She has found her home with me watching horror films on the first tier. That first tier is safe. That is a totally good place for us to be. Sort of. Sort of. And I'll, I'll break it down in just a second here. But just to let you know, in your horror ghouldom, if you even... Uh, Consider yourself mildly a horror ghoul. You are safe. This is just like walking into a daycare. These first two <laughs> tiers. The first tier, and the reason I say this, it should be self-evident once I start talking about the movies on here. This first tier, I mean, these aren't bad movies, but this is your basic bitch horror. First tier, the movies we have on this are Friday the 13th, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Child's Play, Scream, Insidious, The Grudge, The Ring, Conjuring, and Annabelle. So as you can tell, this is just normal, normie horror shit. That's why I say it's basic bitch horror. That doesn't that uh, it's not supposed to be me talking down to this stuff. Because it's not. These are all movies we love for the most part. I've never seen the only movie I haven't seen on this first tier is Annabelle, just because it just doesn't interest me at all. Not my thing. Um, but I've seen every other movie that's uh, that are on here. And for the most part, yeah, if you're a horror fan or if somebody that's even has a slight interest in horror or have had someone go, oh, it's Halloween time. Let's watch a spooky movie. These are perfectly fine. These are perfectly fine. Sure. Friday the 13th has its moments where we have some pretty gross gore, but for the most part, it's a ridiculous kind of like a roller coaster ride of a movie. It's not something that it's mass culture. 
Same with Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, everyone's seen some things in Nightmare on Elm Street that have made you kind of go, ooh. And I'm looking at you, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and it still gets me to this day when Freddy, you know, slashes the kid's wrists and uses his veins as puppet strings. That's fucking gross. That's fucking gross. Somebody was talking to me, and I forgot who it was, that they thought the scene where the girl gets turned into a roach and the box gets squished, that that was gross. That that was like the height of Nightmare on Elm Street gross. I guess I never thought that because it's just goo. It just seemed to like slime to me. But if you think about it, yeah, that's pretty gross. (laughs) I mean, it is a kid getting squished and turned into goo. So he suppose it's gross, but nothing else on this first tier can really be looked at as, you know, anything beyond normal horror fare. It's none of it is like aggressively nihilistic or in your face. Most of it is just fantastical horror play. So I don't know how much we really need to talk about. If you first hear everyone that listens to Astro Radio Z, you should be okay. I mean, everyone should be able to check off the first tier and say, yeah, I've gone this far. And if you don't, well, then I'm surprised you're listening to Astro Radio Z, to be honest. I really am. Because this is these are the basic building blocks of even getting into the genre. So like I said, I'm not going to even really, what am I going to say about those movies? What am I going to say about the movies that are on the first tier? Everyone's seen them. You all have seen them. So we've talked about those movies at length. Mark, the movie man's podcast, the Spoiler Room podcast, I finally, 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 because for years, there are certain listeners of Astro Radio Z that have been on me. Derek, you did an episode on the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Derek, you did an episode on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre films. You have confessed over all of these years, and we're approaching fast year 10 of Astro Radio Z, which is just absolutely fucking blows my mind. Everyone's been saying, hey, you've you've confessed so many times that you're a huge Friday the 13th fan. Why have you never done a retrospective episode and sat and talked at length about Friday the 13th? Well, what do I have to say about it? If you want some of that, a taste of that, on Mark the Movie Man's podcast last year, I believe in December, he had me on and we actually did an episode on the original Friday the 13th. So if you want some of that, go over to Mark to Movie Man's podcast. I feel like all I'm doing there are, is shilling other people's podcasts at this moment. <laughs> go over there. We actually did an episode on Friday the 13th. If you want to find out my thoughts on it, give a subscribe. It was me, Mark, and Ian Simmons from the Kicking the Seat podcast. We talked about it. Really fun episode. So anyways, let's move on. Let's move on to the second tier. The second tier is where things become, start to have a hint of aggressiveness to it. Start to have a hint of, ooh, these are horror movies that aren't joking around anymore. Mind you, they are still mainstream horror movies. Nothing in this list is particularly like out of bounds. It may, some of them may have some stuff that people would consider out of bounds, but for the most part, these are still firmly above water. These are still films that if you are a card carrying horror fan, more than likely you've got around to seeing. So the movies on the second tier 
We're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, obvious classic. The Hills Have Eyes, obvious classic, even though it does have, you know, that really grody, aggressive rape scene in it. Tusk, Hostel, Saw, House of a Thousand Corpses, The Human Centipede, and Midsummer. Now, I had to talk to some people. If there was one movie that stuck out on this tier compared to the rest, where I just don't feel that it's of the same ilk as everything else, I would almost say there's two of them. It has to be Midsummer and Tusk. I get it. Tusk is slightly out there and really over the top. But it still doesn't go as far in the aggressive horror territory than anything else in this tier. There is that scene in spoilers, cue boarding house spoilers music. This is a warning. Thank you. There is that scene where Justin Lawn does get turned into the walrus that is gross I just don't think it goes as far as the rest of the stuff on this tier. Now, you know, horror is subjective. Your tolerance level for gore and uh, ridiculous situations may vary. I just personally don't feel that anything in Tusk warrants being in, on this level. But, you know, I'm not the one who made this. Same with Midsummer or Midsummer, or however you want to fucking say it. Again... This movie has elements of it, and I'm going to keep saying this. Cue boarding house spoiler music. This is a warning. Thank you. Like the scene where the person has their head crushed by a hammer. That are aggressive and that are gross. But I don't I still don't feel that anything in Tusk or Midsummer compared to Hostel or the Human Centipede in level of nihilism and as far as they go, or House of a Thousand Corpses. I think the most aggressive movie in the, on this tier is House of a Thousand Corpses when it, it comes to how ghoulish a movie gets. Because I honestly, even though this is the horror iceberg, I do feel that this is a measure of ghouldom. This iceberg, as it goes along, is specifically tailored to seeing how ghoulish your delights are. And everything above water isn't particularly super ghoulish. But this first tier has a few movies that I think basic normie horror fans or the basic, you know, person that's not even a fan would find ghoulish slightly in the House of a Thousand Corpses and the Human Centipede are definitely that level. Now, Saw is, uh, to me, is just an, a more aggressive Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th. So I get why it would be on the second tier. It's, it is grosser than those movies. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't necessarily gross because it doesn't really show any of its dissections or it it doesn't show anything beyond someone getting put on a meat hook. Everything else is kind of implied. It's just the overall 
really in-your-face tone of that movie, an aggressive tone of that movie that makes it a step above everything that's in that first tier. Um, Hills Have Eyes, as I said before, already has that rape sequence is why it's in this. And um, as we go lower, as we get submerge ourselves, you're going to notice that a lot of the stuff underwater deals with rape and aggressive sexual violence. When you're talking about movies in Gouldom, and when you start venturing deeper and darker in the world of horror, boy, oh boy, what does that say about us as people and the aggressive nature of that content against women? We'll get to that conversation when we we submerge ourselves beneath water. But as of right now, the movies that are above that are in the first and second tier, the second tier, I mean, obviously, I, if there's any of these movies that um, may dip their toes underwater, it definitely, you know, you're hostile and you're human centipede. House of a Thousand Corpses, while I do feel it's aggressive and I do feel it's gross, um, it's still a popcorn movie. It's popcorn horror, as is Saw. Saw is absolutely popcorn horror. I saw it at the theater, and the crowds were pre- uh, predominantly not horror fans. So that gives you an idea of what we're dealing with. So um, those are the first two tiers. The first two tiers above water are your basic horror movies. First tier, I feel, are basically like the stuff that you open the door to horror with. The second tier is once you're in that door, you're in the lobby of Gorehoundum and Gouldum. These are the movies you start to explore. Now, the next tier, we're going to take a short break, folks. The next tier is where things start to get a little goopy. So let's take a short break and we come back. Better have your snorkel ready. We're diving in. Astro Radio Z. Hello, I'm Dan. This is the Bottom Rack. Bottom shelf entertainment for your top shelf lifestyle. I'm in a mood, if you will. A mood like last time, previously on the Bottom Rack. We were checking out Prison of the Dead, or I checked out, and hopefully you did too. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, whatever. Prison of the Dead, David Dakota, Full Moon, it's like that, uh, the aughts, the turn of the millennium, the year 2000, like the the fading light of uh, Full Moon, well, if you consider it that, it just... It's that round about that time you get that full moon formula. You have several movies that are like that. I can't remember when, I keep saying Shadow Zone, but I can't remember when Shadow Zone came out. I think that was one of the first, like one of the earlier types with that typical full moon setup, which is basically like an Agatha Christie, 10 Little Indians uh, haunted house slasher kind of thing where they set all the people up into one location Something bad happens, they do a ritual or something, and then one by one they start getting taken out. I mean, these because I have one of these movies too, so no spoiler, <laughs> it kind of was. But still, it's Prison of the Dead, The Dead Hate the Living, Witch House, um, Seed People kind of, but that was, that was different because it actually takes place like in all kinds of different houses. Shadow Zone did it, uh, and, uh, uh, The Talisman with Walter Jones. And what's interesting is most of these, if not most of those films that I mentioned, and another one I mentioned today, is directed by David Dakota. 
Now, last year, and I guess it's Dakota, it's like Dakota, Dakota, whatever, David Dakota. Last episode, it was Prison of the Dead, which was, he was credited because it was Victoria Sloan, which is, is a pseudonym of David Dakota's. This time, I have Witch House. Which one? Which one? Which one? This house. Yes. Which, which, this house right here. Oh, I know. The Abbott and Costello has crossed my mind numerous times. Which house? Which house? Hmm. Which house? This house. Abbott, you no. want to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, now you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. I say, who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <clears throat> 1999's Witch House. And it is a full moon feature because I had the DVD. This is just like Prison of the Dead where I bought it from that site. I'm not... It's, I think it's like oldies.com. I'm not sponsored by them or whatever. Just Again, I'm, I think I paid I paid no more than $3 for this thing. It was still in the cellophane. This thing is brand new right off of somebody's bottom shelf in the warehouse. It's full moon release number 179, Witch House. Who is on first? Why are you asking me for? I don't know. This is, uh, well, it doesn't even say as a quick cursory glance. Okay, the story is by Charles Band. It's written by Matthew Jason Walsh. And, uh, let's see, produced by Vlad Poneskis. I think I recognize that name. It's one of his, that's one of the Romanian crews, directed by David Dakota. Tell me. Tell your wife. Tell I feel his name. Why? This thing is a comfortable 72 minutes, and it was released in 1999. So, again, we have that era of time that I had been mentioning before, that typical, what I call the full moon setup, or what I also like to refer to as uh, shitty movie Sunday. Because that's what these movies were for. That's what these movies came from. It's when I really started developing my love for those crap fests that you would get. And I say that lovingly. It's a term of endearment, but that's what it is. It's from Shitty Movie Sunday. This is one of those I used to watch a lot. It's called Witch House. What's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. <laughs> and the slug line on the cover, because it's got to be better than the synopsis Evil Beyond Evil. So there you go. It's, uh, let's see, on the back, I'll give you a, this one actually might be okay. May Day, 1998, Dunwich, Massachusetts, in an old mansion, a teenage party is about to take a terrifying turn. Yeah, I'm not going to go all over this. There's no need to re- recite it verbatim or whatever. Here's the setup. You got a group of kids in an old, they're invited to a party in an old house by a creepy goth girl who was like the social outcast or whatever. And she's invited them to the house and they're going to perform, get this, a seance. And uh, when they do, all hell breaks loose. We'll break that down a little bit more. But first, let's get to the album artwork. Album artwork. Let's get to the box art. Box art makes a promise. Let's see what kind of promise we're making here. So we have Witch House. Well, who's in center field? No, who's on first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this art is a lot better than Prison of the Dead. This movie came out before Prison of the Dead, and it's a shame that <laughs> Prison of the Dead... I'm, i got to turn it out. I'm looking at it now. It's a shame that the Prison of the Dead artwork is nowhere near as cool as this. So this is Witch House in the... Naturally. Now that feel his name. Why? The 3D lettering, but it's photo, early photoshoppery going on, and you got, like, this witch chick... I'm telling you. Go ahead. Tell me the picture's name. Tomorrow. ...thing with fangs and stuff got like the dagon fang grill and uh some nice little prosthetics over the face 
and she's wearing a robe, must be a witch's robe. Got a heavy hitter to something, and he's ready to hit the ball, and tomorrow's going to throw the ball, I'm the catcher. And I'm going to try, tomorrow throws the ball, a guy up bunched the ball. And then clutching a chick, she's like going all King Kong, clutching this blonde chick in one hand, has got a melted candle and a skull bleeding goo and stuff in the other hand. In the background, you got like this portal door with looks like evil symbol stuff on there, and it's probably just draconian or Cthulhu font. Online, but I'm not. I'm not complaining. Just it is what it is, and that's the artwork. And so the witch is staring at you, and then at the very bottom says, "Evil beyond evil," and there you go, witch house. You know they give baseball players nowadays very peculiar names. You know, a lot of funny names. You know, like uh, Sticky Fields, Sticky Fields, uh, Goofy Dan, Booby Barber, Boop. And it's W I T C H O U S E. So it's like one word. It's really funny. Anyway. Witch house. Catcher's name. Today. Today. <laughs> so the goth chick invites over a group of friends to a house one night. And I can't remember. I guess it's her house. Uh, it doesn't say. I can't remember if it's actually her Whoever house. Whoever it is, better get it. Get she it invites the kids over we'll for a party. Yeah. And when the kids come in for a party, you have a really awkward. I say awkward. You just have a. Their typical setup. They show up. Nobody knows each other. They start talking. Two people kind of hit it off. One's a shy girl. One of them's a dweeb, college dweeb. You have your typical druggy stoner chick. And then you have your typical druggy stoner dude. And they're actually funny. I can't remember their names. but Whereas the most part of this, like, that character trope is kind of annoying. In this, it's kind of funny, just the way that they... You, it seems like they were actually friends, the way they play off of each other in this. And the whole premise is that you have teenagers there. What's going to happen? Well, they're going to get into some premarital nastiness, aren't they? Yes. He better get it! Right. And wouldn't you know it, people start dying. They have a seance. The, uh, the creepy chick, the goth girl, what was her name? Okay, her name is Elizabeth. I said, throw the ball to who? Naturally. You ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. And they have a seance to summon the spirit of Lilith. Lilith, Lilith I think it's, is it Lilith? Let me look. Yeah. They want to summon Lilith, the, her Elizabeth's ancestor or whatever. And it's it's your typical set is honestly is something to do with witches or something like that. And it doesn't really matter by the time you watch this, you get the idea and I don't want to spoil it. So they summon Lilith. Well, guess what? Lilith comes back and starts knocking people over one by one, just taking them out. It's pretty cool. The just like prison of the dead, this David Dakota setup, the setting sells this film. The, the house itself is really cool. It's got just this, southern gothic style architecture it just lends itself to a really cool indie flick pentagrams a really cool stylish pentagram might i add with like the lights glowing on the ground and stuff it just it's got witchcraft and killing the setup is ludicrous this doesn't even have to be a long bottom rack episode because there's not (laughs) i'm not saying this to be mean but there's really not much depth to plumb in this film and that is one of its strengths. This film is exactly what it is meant to be. It doesn't try to be anything more. It doesn't, and it's nothing less. It wants to be your standard 
low-budget horror film where a bunch of people get killed off by something evil that they summoned. I mean, we know this full moon setup before. I've listed the movies before. Prison of the Dead, Witch House. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. Shadow Zone, uh, The Dead Hate the Living, and I, I swear there's a couple more that I'm forgetting, but it's the same concept. It's the same principle, and that's this film. You have your, you know blatant and occult imagery with some subtleties thrown in there for good flavor a seance demonic possession and then people get killed in gory ways as they try to escape the house (laughs) it's so cool this just like prison of the dead this is one of those indie films that i want to make the the cameras and equipment that they used are really good. Like it's it's a clean picture. This has that camera technique that I had uh, mentioned before, like the Dakota thing, where it will just the camera's static, but it'll start bobbing. Like I, it's it's hard to explain. It's like it's set on a a pendulum or something. And it just starts bobbing. The camera doesn't sit still. It starts like rotating. Maybe that's the term. And at first, you don't notice, but if you start noticing it, you'll notice it happens a lot. And in a way, it's disorienting. And I don't know if it was done, it has to be done on purpose, but I'm not sure why or the technique behind it. But regardless, Witch House. Witch one! Witch one! It's got a scary witch monster who comes back. Pretty cool effects, too. You know, you got monster gore effects, you got some blood, uh, there's a decapitation. You don't really see it, but it, it's. it's full moon man this is what you love if you are a full moon fan you've probably seen this if you're a full moon fan you've probably already got this and if you're a full moon fan and haven't seen this <laughs> i really recommend it watch it on a sunday when you're on a lazy sunday and you want a shitty movie sunday dude this thing's 72 minutes long it's a lot of fun does the movie match the box art actually yeah <laughs> rather well i must say the uh the makeup it's pretty spot on. Now, you this chick doesn't go all King Kong on it, but that's you, you could forgive that because you understand by looking at this, you understand what they're going for as far as the cover. So yeah, they they make no mention that you know it's like some kind of witch kaiju thing, which would be a really cool movie. But like they're not doing that. But yes, this film delivers exactly what's on this box art. Uh, well, maybe not exactly. I don't recall there being an evil portal door with Cthulhu font that they use but i mean as far as a portal and a witch chick monster thing with candles and stuff yes you get that absolutely so i mean all total this movie is this movie is jam up look like i said i paid more prison of the dead and witch house i paid more for shipping than to actually get the movies but i got it brand new on dvd still wrapped in the cellophane man i mean it's awesome it was just it, it felt good to watch it this and i've mentioned in the last episode there's a i got a lot of nostalgia that's wrapped up in movies like this, like from this time period and just the low budget films. And, and I just, I love them. These kind of films and David Dakota, because nobody can match him. Like seriously, (laughs) you get what I mean, right? Like he has a distinct style and what's really good about David Dakota is that you don't know he has a style until you watch enough of his films. You start to get his style like the dude he probably filmed here's the thing he probably filmed this stupid uh, stupid he probably filmed this movie in like two weeks with twenty dollars and a coca-cola can like there really aren't that many people i know that could do this it's just that's 
I've mentioned it with Prison of the Dead. I mentioned it with Witch House. It feels, I don't know if they enjoyed making this movie or not. And that, but it's the mark of a good professional because regardless, this is a professional flick. They made this movie, it was made by professionals. And you can, I can tell that. You can tell when you watch this movie, it was made by people who know what they're doing. Whether they had fun making it or not, I, I would imagine so. They went to all the trouble to make it. And it's just cool. Like, you know you're going to... It's one of those Charles Band, whatever he is, the dude is a genius. Now, when he's on to something, he knows he's on to something. He, you could make this movie. You could doo-doo this thing out in like two weeks, six months, if that, six months in post. And that's just mainly because you got to wait for the printing and everything. And then, bam, put this thing straight to VHS, straight to video, and, <laughs> and reap the profits. Seriously. If I made movies, and I, I wish I could, one of these days, who knows, maybe I will. I am shocked. I got ideas coming out the ass. I just need the gumption to go and start making films. But if I were to make horror films, like this is this is the kind of stuff I want to make. Movies like Witch House, movies like Prison of the Dead. I would love to just sit and chat with David Dakota, get an idea of like you know how to go about doing stuff. Maybe glean some of that talent. Like seriously, it's just it's a fun movie. Witch House, watch it, enjoy it. I'm Dan. This has been The Bottom Rack. Thank you for listening, and I will holler at y'all later.
So I feel that I gave you guys a proper warning as to the conversation we are going to have from here on out. I'm going to group the last six tiers of the horror iceberg together. Two of the tiers I'm not even going to really have a conversation about, and those are literally the bare bottom. Mostly because those in the bare bottom, from what I have gathered upon hearing a YouTube video that went through this exact same thing, are mostly things that if you are aware of these things or have these things in your possession, you are probably going to go to jail. (laughs) These are like the ghoulish of ghoul stuff. And I have no one interest in them. And two, don't want to even spend any time on that shit. We'll get to what they are supposedly from what I hear when we reach those levels. But really, the last six tiers are going to be grouped together because I've only submerged myself on the if we're going like measuring ourselves on this iceberg. I've only gone to tier six. So tier three, four, five, and six are going to be the ones we're going to talk about here for the rest of the episode. Tier seven and eight. Man, I hope you have a good VPN. If you're somebody that watches that shit. Just saying. Just saying. Anyway, so let's move on to tier four. Now, the first question you have to ask When looking at this meme, and we're going to take this meme very seriously. That's why we're breaking it down this way, because I have I feel that when you're looking at something like this, you're looking inwards at yourself as well, because as a horror fan, I think we all start on those first two tiers. As I said in the last segment, we open the door to becoming a fan. Somebody introduces us to a horror movie that opens the door and gets us into tier one. Then when we start to become a fan, we look into tier two. Then when we have been firmly shackled, and I mean firmly shackled with the handcuffs to that back video store section, you know, you all know all you people that are my old school video store horror fans know this metaphor and this reference, that horror section in the back of the store that had its own room that was done up like a castle with, with fucking like webs and all sorts and red lights and all sorts of shit. When you are firmly shackled and that's the only section that you go to when you go to the video store, the virtual video store, because they don't exist anymore. I mean, here in Wisconsin, family video closed its doors. It's donezo. So here there are no video stores left. So these references I'm making are a thing of the past. They're extinct. They're like dinosaurs in the dodo. But for my 80s, and 90s horror film fans and listeners, my Astro Zombies, you know what I'm talking about. When you finally have graduated to the level where you're watching everything that's in that back room, these are the movies you start seeking out. And for better or worse, 
They're never enough. Never enough. So the next tier, tier three, is where you start officially considering yourself a ghoul. We've dived in. We're wet. That wetness is ghouldom. Now, this level has many movies that most normal people would consider out of bounds and gross. And what are those movies? For varying reasons that I'll go into maybe for each of these movies, people would look at you sideways and go, ooh, what is wrong with you for watching this? There's at least one movie on here that I've gotten that look for. So you get that first. If you had a card, if we gave out an Astro Radio Z ghoul card that on the bottom you had to punch off for the rest of these tiers, tier one is your first punch toward ultimate ghouldom. In the movies, you would have to watch on this. And I'll disagree a little bit with the way things are kind of like uh, organized here on this, because I think some of the things on a lower tier could come up to a higher tier, um, honestly. But that's a conversation for when we get to it. This third tier, the first level of submersion and the first punch card ticket of the Astro Radio Z ghoul card. These are the movies that are on here. We're talking the original Martyrs. Salo, or 120 Days, The Human Centipede 2, Tetsuo the Iron Man, Suicide Club, a Serbian film, Cannibal Holocaust, The House That Jack Built, Pink Flamingos, Shujo Subaki, which is a movie I don't even know what that is. I've never watched it. I'm sure some people out there are going to be like, Derek, you haven't watched this? I don't watch everything. I'm human. I can't see every last goddamn movie that's out there. In this episode, folks, I'm running straight off of my own memory here. I'm not researching anything. I'm not looking into this stuff. If you're curious about this stuff, please go look it up yourself. But the movies that I've seen on this tier, I haven't seen that last one, Shujo Tsubaki. I don't know what that is, but everything else on this tier definitely has an air of gouldom. Now, the only one that I would probably disagree with is Suicide Club, mostly because I do feel like this is one of the J-horror movies that came out in the late 90s, early 2000s. I don't recall because I'm not looking it up right now immediately, Um there were a few sequences that may tinge towards Gouldom. I don't remember the movie completely, but I do remember uh, it was a movie about school kids that were doing mass suicides. And I do remember, uh, you know, kids jumping off of buildings and things of that nature. But most J-horror, like hardened J-horror, has an air of rape to it. Like, I don't know what it is about Pinky and hardcore J-horror, the stuff that gets slightly ghoulish, that all of it has so much rape in it. So I don't remember if Suicide Club has that or not, but I do know that for some reason, a lot of hardened J-horror, and we're not talking the ghost stuff. We're not talking, you know, Juwan or Ringyu or Spiral 
or Uzumaki. We're not talking that kind of stuff or pulse. We're not talking. We're talking like pinky stuff in suicide club. I feel honestly, this could be in tier two. This is just slightly harder. J horror fair. The rest of this stuff. Sure. The rest of this stuff. Sure. I could see why jumping in to the water. These would be the first movies you would gravitate towards. Obviously pink flamingos is a wildly subversive movie that triggers people to this day. There are scenes within it. Someone eating dog shit, an open asshole that (laughs) talks tons of just really gross stuff. So pink flamingos. Yes. Should be here. Martyrs. An extremely aggressively violent movie and nihilistic movie. Yes, that deserves to be here. Salo or the 120 days of Sodom. I would argue, I would argue this may go down a tier. But at the same time, has some of its shock factor worn off over time because of the stuff that has come after it. Obviously, lots of history pertaining to the making of this movie and what subsequently happened to uh, Pasolini upon making this movie. But honestly, uh, it's in tone so gross. It's so gross, and it stays there the entire time. I mean, nobody that watches that movie walks away and doesn't have the dining poop-eating sequence etched into their brain for the rest of their lives. I think when we're talking about the rest of what we're going to talk about here once we're underneath water, there's at least one scene in all of these movies that will stay etched in your brain for the rest of your life. That is a ghoul's movie's purpose is to affect you in a way that you remember it. That's like it's the whole reason a lot of these movies exist is to just shock you is to, oh, man, I haven't experienced that before. And 120 days of solemn outside of, you know, the endless talks of women talking about degrading children sexually it's the poop eating sequence (laughs) where people take out a big platter and put them on plates and people eat poop with forks and knives yeah (laughs) you remember that one (laughs) um human centipede 2 obviously takes the human centipede concept and whips the bird at everyone that said they didn't go too far and goes way too far So Human Centipede 2 is one of the ultimate middle fingers that ever came out to a mass audience. Tom Six basically said, you don't think you got what you wanted in the first one? I don't think you know what you want because here it is. That's a gross movie. Tetsuo the Iron Man. So here's one where, hmm, yes, This can be first level submerged because 
it is intense and there are scenes of because it's basically you know a cyberpunk horror film where a man turns into a biomechanical being uh, where tubes and pipes and metal is being shoved and grown out of a person. Maybe it's because we've moved so far past it at this point because it's a film made in the 80s that it loses a little bit of that initial shock value. It's still, for its time, a pretty aggressive movie. And I remember back in the day going on the video store shelves and getting this movie. And when I first saw it being so like beside myself that I'd never seen something like that before. It's a kinetic, like I fuck the movie just moves at a hyper speed and there's just shit in it. And it's that black and white look to it that makes it feel so much grittier and gross than it would, I think in color. So, okay. We'll agree with Tetsuo the Iron Man being here. Cannibal Holocaust, of course, lives here. Of course, Cannibal Holocaust lives here. It's gross. It has, you know, animal cruelty in it. And it has the infamous pike sequence, which now people wear on their shirts. (laughs) Can you imagine back in the day? This movie was banned for many years. This movie, you couldn't find it for many years. Until like the late 90s, early 2000s, when companies started snagging up in the DVD boom, started snagging up any movies they could to restore and put out there in the market. Cannibal Holocaust was basically unseen for so long because of this Pike sequence with, you know what I mean, and Q Boarding House spoiler music. This is a warning. Thank you. The girl that has the pike shoved through her nether regions and out through her mouth as a warning to warring tribes not to come here. That image has now been co-opted as if it's like Jason Voorhees on a t-shirt. Wow, are we ghouls? That was hardcore. But for the most part, Cannibal Holocaust firmly deserves to be in this first tier. It is that next level of horrorism once you get past Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for sure. Um, Serbian film, I would argue that Serbian film deserves a level lower. Mostly because I don't feel the first excursion into hardcore horror, which this first, this third level is, I don't feel Serbian film is of the same ilk as Cannibal Holocaust or Human Centipede 2 or even Salo, mostly because it pushes things further in a very sensitive way that none of these films do. And what I'm talking about here is obvious. Sexual trauma to children and incest. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I got, I suppose I should have said, you know, spoiler, cue spoilers. But Serbian film goes in a sexual route a lot further than any of the violence that's here. And some of the violence in Serbian film is really fucking in your face. Really fucking in your face. I would put this on tier four. I would put this on tier four. But 
It deserves to be underwater. That's for sure. Because Serbian film of normie horror, because let's be honest, Serbian film is a well-crafted movie. It is a movie made by people that know what the fuck they're doing. Maybe that's why it's on tier three, because everything after this is obviously made in the underground. It's obviously stuff catering a very specific audience. It's obviously stuff that's made on a budget. And when I say made on a budget, I mean made on a small budget. Serbian film had a lot of money behind it, and you can see it because it's fucking gorgeous to look at. The content isn't fucking gorgeous to look at. Let's be very clear about that. But the film itself looks like a normal mainstream movie. So, I I mean, maybe the creator thought that was the reason why it would be on tier three here. But I would put this on tier four, mostly because the stuff that's in this movie, this is one of the few movies that I watched and I instantly deleted. (laughs) Mostly not because I thought it was horrible, but because I didn't want to be tempted to have to watch that again. Um, Because I do feel that's a well-made movie, but the content in it, I just don't want that living in my headspace. And when I say that, it's mostly because as I've gotten older, and this will be a conversation I think we'll have ongoing as we talk through these tiers here on the podcast. As I've gotten older, I no longer gravitate towards this kind of content. This, when I was younger, and I think a lot of us that you know, jump in and open the door to Gouldom. The reason we do it is we want vicarious thrills. We want to experience things that in normal life we can't experience. And as a gorehound, when I was younger and quote unquote an edgelord, as some people would say, I think I wanted to push myself. There was something about that darkness that was alluring. And It wasn't necessarily because I myself am a ghoul. It's just, I think the taboo nature of some of this content is naughty. And you all know, being naughty feels good. (laughs) So I think, you know, a lot of this, I pushed myself to see how far I could go. And fortunately, Anna, unfortunately, the further I went, sometimes that shit was really fucking good. But then some of that stuff really sticks with you in a way that um, I, I believe trauma sticks with you. And not everybody, I mean, obviously, I'm speaking from my own experience, and I don't speak towards everybody like like I don't know where you come from you don't know where I come from I can't speak towards what your tolerance level is and I can't speak towards why you go towards these movies but in my experience these a lot of this stuff we want to sort out and and experience trauma in a way that doesn't hurt us like we don't have to actually physically go through it and some of us are trying to sort out our own bullshit so 
this podcast is like me exploring one, why anyone would go through watching some of this stuff. And the Serbian film is definitely on the cusp of why you would want to even go deeper than this and why I felt the curiosity to go further than this. So maybe after saying that, maybe Serbian film deserves its right on on number three because it is that open door towards things that are so much worse and so much darker, even if content-wise they aren't necessarily as bad as a Serbian film, it rides that line between a legit movie and a ghoul film. Because it is most definitely a ghoul film. There are a few sequences in that movie that are so fucking ghoulish. But the majority of the movie is a legit, straight-up, well-made movie. So maybe if you were going to, like, tier this within the tiers, Serbian film would be on that line between tier three and tier four, where it's just like, I am the door you need to cross to get to tier four. That would be it. Now, the last film, which we didn't talk about, The House That Jack Built, I haven't seen that movie. I'm not a Lars Van Trier fan. He's made some good movies, but for the most part, I just don't get into his stuff at all. I don't like his perspective on things, and his movies just don't do it for me. I know there are a lot of fans for this movie, and everyone kept saying, Ooh, House of Jack Bill. Oh, there's going to be a director's cut. Oh, it's going to be so gross. Oh. I didn't care. I didn't care. I checked out of him years ago, and I have no interest in watching The House that Jack Built. I saw Necromantic, and I think that's the last, not Necromantic, Nymphomaniac. That's what I meant. I, I saw Nymphomaniac. And that's the last one I'm going to watch of his. I'm done. I'm done with Lars Van Trier. So you guys will have to have that conversation of whether or not the house that Jack built deserves to be here. Obviously, it's been built up at this point, but I'm not even going to, you know, grace that with an opinion. So that was tier three, which is your first entry into Gouldom. Tier four, you are firmly in Gouldom. Tier four is where these are still well-known ghoul movies. These are still movies where, for the most part, when you decide to dig deeper into the underground, these are movies that are fairly well-known. First movie, I think, of all of this stuff that's in tier four, is probably (laughs) my favorite. When you say that, You have to kind of qualify. What do you mean by favorite? Can you have favorites in tier four? Yes, I am going to say yes, you can have favorites in tier four. Necromantic is the first one I'm going to talk about here in tier four. Now, why is this any worse than anything we had talked about before? Why is this worse than the aggressive sexual violence in Serbian film or the lady on a, on a pike in cannibal Holocaust? Well, if you aren't familiar, necromantic is the very loving story of a street cleaner who happens to be in a relationship with a lady and they are 
Swingers with dead bodies. <laughs> what? <laughs> what you say? If you don't know what necromantic is at this point, you need to go and check this thing out. Jörg Bukaret's infamous movie about necrophilia. <laughs> about a dude that brings home dead bodies for his girlfriend and he to screw. <laughs> Obvious ghoul movie deserves to be on this, but for the, for reasons that most people wouldn't understand, this movie is goofy enough and dreamy enough to be enjoyable. If you have any inkling and have a, a constitution and a strong stomach for gross stuff and can compartmentalize that into its own thing so you don't have to have like a black mark tarnishing your heart, you should seek out Necromantic. It is firmly gross in every way possible, but it's also extremely enjoyable. <laughs> so I would check out Necromantic. Now, the rest of the stuff on this tier, and this is where I don't have the the knowledge for every single movie that are on these tiers we're gonna kind of skip some of them because i have no idea what they are like i have no idea what the movie juvenile crime is i've never seen it uh viva la muerte i've never seen it uh melancholy uh dare angel which is the uh, melancholy of the angels which was i believe was directed by the same director of cannibal and if you haven't seen Cannibal, that's a super fucking gross movie. But it is the movie about the guy that put an ad out there to cannibalize someone else and somebody took it. And it's that movie is like this really dreamy, super gross, high, highly, highly, highly sexual movie. Um, I'm surprised that's not on this list, to be honest. But this movie, Melancholy of the Angels, I've heard so much about. I've just never got around to again because as I've gotten older, I've put the trap door to letting any more of this into my heart. <laughs> I'm just not seeking it out anymore. So that's one of them that kind of uh, passed me by. I haven't seen that one. I haven't seen Life and Death of a Porno Gang. Or Snuff 102. These are the movies on this list that I haven't seen. The ones I have seen, though, and these are the rest of the movies that are on Tier 4. Philosophy of Knife, which, honestly, I didn't like, but I get why it would be on this list, which is a, kind of a, a document and uh, a biopic of, you know, atrocities, war atrocities, Russian war atrocities. Um, where the dead go to die, which is just this edge lordy, and I mean edgy, edgy, edge lordy animated thing. That honestly, if you can just sit and watch it, it is it reeks of someone just trying hard to be edge lordy. I mean, the amount of time and effort spent on the animation, it's a 3D animated piece. Some people I, I've heard think that, you know, well, they just threw this together and then just decided to be super edgelordy because it's just like, you know, animals being fucked and, you know, it, incest. And it's all done with the, the, 
the cruddiest looking animation. It is literally try hardness to be try hard. Uh, I don't know. It got a national release via unearthed films. Yeah. Does it deserve to be here? But it, I honestly don't, I wouldn't even waste your time with where the dead go to die. It's not my taste whatsoever. So sure. If you want to see edge Lordy 3d animated pieces, and you know, there are some of those out there. There are a few YouTube channels where they do this kind of work. Sure. It's honestly, I feel it's a really stupid fucking movie and I couldn't handle it whatsoever. The Guinea pig movies make their first appearance here on tier four. And I get it. Sure. This, maybe this is put to tier four, the guinea pig series. It says just guinea pig, but I'm going to take it as the guinea pig series because they all kind of equally are gross. The first two were pseudo snuff films. And then the rest of them, it's an anthology series, become weirder and weirder. There are like two or three of them that I don't feel are any more than just Japanese Tales from the Crypt episodes. Like, he never dies. Not really that gross. The Android of Notre Dame, really not that gross. Uh, Devil Doctor Woman, really not that gross. Just goofy. These are goofy movies. But The Devil's Experiment, Flower of Flesh and Blood, and Mermaid with a Manhole definitely deserve to be on this list. And I get why it would be on tier four. Devil's Experiment, not necessarily the most graphic film, but it is a film that attempts to do something that nothing else really was attempting to do at the time and be pseudo snuff. In the 80s, all these guinea pig movies were made on um, either like beta or three quarter inch. So they have a look like their home videos that someone had made. Arguably, the flower of flesh and blood look, it has the look, but it feels like something that was very crafted and meticulous. Um, Mermaid with a manhole was, is literally a short film where the rest of these, like the first two are just pseudo snuff films. So yeah, they deserve to be here. The first one's not as bad. The, devil's experiment it doesn't really other than there's a sequence where because the movie is essentially about this organization that collects women and just tortures them for the delight of viewers and it's the whole movie is just one woman going through various stages of torture and the last stage is where she gets an her eye basically poked out and that's the grossest part of the film. The overall tone is just nihilistic, so I get why it would be here. The part two, The Flower of Flesh and Blood, is the notorious one. You know what this one is, right? This is the one where Martin Sheen saw this thing at some party and he thought that it was a legit snuff film. I mean, let's be honest. The movie is ultra gross because it's nothing but this samurai guy vivisecting a woman like disemboweling her and cutting her arms off and all this stuff and liking it to you know the blossoming flower just nonsense but let's look at this it is a, a really ridiculous dude <laughs> dressed up as a samurai <laughs> it's so stupid it's so fucking stupid so yeah martin sheet saw this thing 
or Charlie Sheen, whoever, saw this thing and uh, reported it. Nothing came about because obviously this was a crafted film. And uh, I would say the most notorious aspect of this movie is that it inspired real a real-life serial killer. So this is where you and I have the conversation. What would you do after that point if you were a filmmaker and your work in the genre inspired? I mean, I know you can't control what happens after your work is created. That is up to the people and it's on them. It's the same conversation of, well, does this content damage people in a certain way? But what would you do as a filmmaker if all of a sudden you learned that this thing that you did inspired a person to go out and reenact your film? Fuck, that would fuck me up. That would seriously fuck me up. If some, if I found out somebody watched, say, Hole in the Wall and thought, you know what? I think I am going to take a body and dissect it and, dra- and drench myself in the innards. Which is a thing that happens in my movie Hole in the Wall. That would fuck me up real bad and make me feel like I've done something wrong. (laughs) But that's my own thing. So um, that's, I think when you reach that level, you made a fucking ghoul movie. And the flower of flesh and blood definitely deserves to be here on tier four. Now, the rest of what I'm going to (laughs) say. I'm not going to have very good things to say about the rest of this content. The next movie is August Underground, which is another pseudo snuff movie. I feel has no value and really is trash to me. I think the creators are extremely nice people. I've met Fred Vogel in the past at conventions. He's been nothing but welcoming and amazing to me. I personally am just not a fan of these movies. I don't understand their appeal past ah, appealing to people's bloodlust and wanting to live in a very nihilistic headspace. That's all August Underground is. It is just the supposedly the, the VHS tapes of a serial killer. And we watch in grisly detail women getting tied up, puked on, Nipples being torn off, degraded, pooped on. I mean, you don't see the poop, but you see poop all over the the space that they, they I mean, it's just it's just grossness to be gross. And I'm just not a fan of any of the movies in the series. And the last couple movies, the vomit gore now quadrology, or is that how you say it? I mean, originally it was a trilogy, but now there's four movies. But here on the list, they only have Slaughtered Vomit Dolls, Slow Torture Puke Chamber, and Regurgitated Sacrifice. You know you know that Regurgitated Sacrifice. You're asking, Derek, why'd you say it like that? The Regurgitated Sacrifice that shows the Soska sisters in a vomit gore movie. You know that movie that they want to sit and talk to you about that never happened and they act like it's not a movie that they were in? It's here. Tier four of the ghoul list. Regurgitated sacrifice starring the Soska Soska sisters in a vomit gore movie. 
And you ask, what is a vomit gore movie? Now, I'm I'm only saying this for my listeners that don't particularly get into this kind of stuff. But I feel like the vast majority of you know what this is. Slaughtered Vomit Dolls is basically a fetish movie. Slow Torture Puke Chamber, basically a fetish movie. Regurgitated Sacrifice, starring the Soska Sisters basically a fetish movie and what kind of fetish movie a gory vomit filled fetish movie about people that get off on vomiting each other and torturing each other now that it sounds like i am being like i'm talking down what went into making these movies. I feel the director, Lucifer Valentine, that we all at some point have come across and talked to online because he listens and seeks out anything that has his name on it and will gladly talk to you about it. I feel as an artistic, creative person, these movies are put together the editing in the soundscapes, mostly the soundscapes in these movies are very effective, very oppressive, very ominous, a lot of droning. It really makes you feel like darkness in your chest listening to these soundtracks. But the movies themselves in tier four is where things start to get a little grimy. As you already could tell, there's a lot of pseudo snuff on this tier. A lot of human destruction going on in this tier. The Vomit Gore series, to me, is like taking that idea of the snuff film and marrying it with a fetish video. Because this is obviously a sexual fetish. I don't, what is it, entomphilia or something? What? I don't remember what exactly what it's called. It, the fetish of getting off on vomiting or being vomited on. These movies play like they're vomit fetish videos, like they're pornos, essentially. They're gross, dude. Straight up gross. And uh, as they went along, the first one, Slaughtered Vomit Dolls, I would say, you know, there was an artistic angle to it. And when I first saw it, I thought, wow, this is interesting. Not my thing, but it's interesting. Regurgitated Sacrifice Starring the Soska sisters takes that a little bit further. Takes that a little bit further. By time slow torture puke chamber, and then the fourth one, which is Black Mass of the Nazi Sex Wizard. See how easily this rolls off my tongue, people? Because I've seen all these movies. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um, these movies feel just like on-demand, you know, made-for-the-customer fetish videos where it's just women in hotels being puked on and then being killed and tortured for the duration of the movie. And I personally don't find any value in them, but they definitely deserve to be on Tier 4. They de- Like all the movies here, now we are dealing with straight-up edgelord movies. From this point out, tier one, two, and three, we're talking about regular ass 
horror movies tier three obviously you're you're just diving into horror movies that are ghoulish tier four straight up you are now a ghoul you are now a ghoul watching ghoulish shit and there is a line being blurred between whether this stuff is specifically pointed towards horror fans or towards fetish type things is are we now starting to venture into porn i hate saying that because i hate marrying horror with porn i i do think that's troublesome for the genre itself as a creative and as an individual that has been employed as a video professional now for over a decade a lot of people look at those of us that have worked on horror films as less than they they do look at this stuff even today even though you know horror is celebrating a lot of success and they have legitimized it with stuff like midsummer and heredity and and that kind of stuff there are still things where people look at people that make or like horror as if you're subhuman and it's nothing better than porn. So I want to tread very lightly when I say this stuff is becoming porny. But it after this point, there is definitely an angle that this the this content is supposed to arouse its viewer. That this is stuff that people that are into this kind of stuff seek out specifically. So when people point at horror being pornish, they look at this stuff. They look at stuff like the Vomit Gore series. To me, it plays out that way. You may see it differently. And please, if you enjoy this stuff, do your thing. Everyone likes different things. Personally, to me, I don't get it. It doesn't appeal to me at all. So that's tier four. Tier five is where oh boy <laughs> i haven't seen most of this stuff but it is getting towards the point where we are just living in a world of torturing and degrading women i got a question for y'all what is it about horror and that we feel as creatives that we need to just focus on perpetrating violence against women. When you sit and think about this stuff and you look at this stuff, the further down we go, and as I said before, this stuff starts feeling very fetishy, like this is being marketed towards people's desires beyond having effective stories and beyond really saying much of anything beyond, isn't this shocking? Why is it all so aggressively nihilistic towards women? I want you to think about that and really answer that question to yourself. Because a lot of the stuff from this point on I I personally am not into because I'm not into torture of women and I'm not into which is a weird thing to have to say, right? <laughs> but I'm not into movies 
that are that are just rape fantasies and torture fantasies towards women. Movies that feel they have to have power over females. That's what a lot of this stuff is after this point. Let's what are the movies you say on tier five? Tier five, women's flesh, my red guts. A Japanese movie that is essentially a torture movie. My Chance Daily Life, the movie. I do not know what this one is. I've never seen it. The Tumbling Doll of Flesh, The Taming of Rebecca, torture movies. Oster Montag, Olaf Ittenbach's Oster Montag, notorious, notoriously gross torture movie. Girl Hell 1999, Eccentric Psycho Cinema, Necrophiles, which I'm a little like taken aside. Why is Necrophiles on tier five? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why is Necrophiles a movie that is a shot on video horror thing on tier five? Honestly, I think this is a red herring. I think this was tossed on tier five for laughs. I think this was tossed on tier five. So if anybody decided to use this as a template to see how far they could push themselves, that all of a sudden they get to tier five and all oh, the necrophiles and then they pop it on. And it's just some goofy ass shot on video movie. I think that's what the necrophiles is on there for. I don't understand it. And the last movie that's on tier five, which I have actually seen, I've seen Ostermontag, gross. I have seen some of women's flesh, my red guts, gross, and the gateway meat, Ronda Carlos, the gateway meat, which was part of a trilogy, I believe the uh, the Bright Side trilogy that he had made, uh, movie about somebody attempting to open a, a portal through he- to hell, and it's just torture and oppressively bleak bullshit not my kind of thing again tier five and reason why i just haven't seen most of this stuff it's aggressively violent towards women and a lot of it is just what people really when they termed torture porn in here on astro radio z we used the term and we still continue to use the term chair horror this is the stuff that that really deserves that moniker hostile come on now that's it's chair horror but it in no way is to the level of something of women's flesh my red guts or the taming of rebecca that's fucking that's chair horror that's torture porn That's what this shit is. So that's tier five. I don't have much to say about it other than I personally feel the content of that kind of stuff. The the chair horror, the real true underground chair horror and torture porn. I don't get it. And maybe I'm being judgy. It's very, I mean, you do you. This stuff isn't my thing, but I do feel that this, Really, at this point, what is what is the use for this stuff in our society? We know that this stuff happens. It's t- 
terrible. It's terrible, terrible, gross stuff. And I don't get it. So not stuff that's my taste. If you're a harder ghoul, though, boy, you got a lot to chew into here. Got a lot to chew into the underground. The vast majority of what I've seen in the underground over the last 10 years is this stuff. Is the stuff on tier five that is just like this aggressively nihilistic female hating torture porn. So that's tier five. Now, the last tier that I can specifically speak towards is tier six. And tier six looks to me to mostly be all shockumentary films. You remember way back a few years ago when we decided to throw our hat into Ghoul Summer and Mark the Movie Man, Seth Paulin and I covered Traces of Death 1, 2, and 3? That's here in Tier 6. <laughs> this is the Mondo section, the shockumentary section where we have Traces of Death, Junk Films, Africa Audio, Buried in the Sand, Mondo Kane, Banned from Television, The Dark Side of Porn, which honestly, I don't think The Dark Side of Porn deserves to be anywhere on this list. It's just a regular, like a BBC made documentary on the ill effects of porn in the industry. Um, Orozco the Embalmer, which isn't necessarily a Mondo film, but it is pretty fucking gross. Um, Death File Red, Black Metal Veins, which I'll be very honest with you. The only reason I think that's on this tier is because this the theme of this tier is Mondo and his shockumentary. Black Metal Veins is a documentary about a bunch of heroin junkies directed by our best friend and vomit gore director, Lucifer Valentine. I personally feel Black Metal Veins is his best work. It came out years later that a lot, there are many st- sequences that are staged within Black Metal Veins, but it presents itself as a documentary. I don't think it needs to be this far down. I think it it is just as bad as anything in Tier 4 with his other movies, but I get why it's here. There's a theme going on on this tier, and um, I suppose it fits this tier. Now, the last one on this list, Faces of Death, Come on, man. Faces of Death, move that up to tier three. Faces of Death used to play at movie theaters in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, when I was in high school. Midnight screenings, mind you. Midnight screenings. But it is not worse than something like Ostermontag. It is not worse than something like August Underground. It is not worse than something like Slow Torture Puke Chamber. Those movies are far more ghoulish, especially now that we know that the vast majority, vast majority of Faces of Death outside of the crime scene footage is staged and it's fake. I uh, Some people might disagree with me on this. I feel Faces of Death is a gateway to ghouldom. 
I think when a lot of us of that era, of the 90s, the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, when you went to the video store and you were a little kid, what was the true gateway to Gouldom? It was the Faces of Death series on VHS. They used to do, like I said, they used to do screenings at midnight at the Oakwood Cinemas, <laughs> which was a cinema in a mall in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, of Faces of Death 4 all the time. A proper ghoul movie doesn't really get a theatrical screening. So I think this really deserves itself on as the gateway. Like if you were to go onto this meme and put it in between like the lines between the tiers, Faces of Death would sit right there on the water. It's like it is the water. It is the like the the surface of the water. Like if you want to get in past this point, you got to watch Faces of Death. Then you are ready for Gouldom. You are properly ready for Gouldom. Because, man, most of it, when you're little and you're young and you're just starting to get into the thought of being a ghoul, this movie would open that door. Would open that door. So for the sake of, you know, there's a theme going on on this tier. I get why it's there. But this literally is the door to Gouldom is Faces of Death, at least for those of us that grew up in that era. Traces of Death, just, we, you heard my episode. I'm not going to go at length. It's just exploitive trash. It's just exploitive trash with a, a death metal soundtrack. Exploitive, the worst kind of exploitation. Mondo Kane is a legit film. A legit film. Is it? It's not worse. <laughs> it's just this theme. Like, I don't believe half of this stuff on this tier needs to be here. Black Metal Veins, Faces of Death, and Mondo Kane. Nah. Nah. Dark Side of Porn shouldn't even be on this tier. Shouldn't be on this list. Shouldn't even be in this thing. But for the sake of, if you're a hardened ghoul, you're watching, you're no longer watching movies. You're watching real death. This is basically like the gruesome of the internet. You know, you're, when you're going out looking for extreme stuff that's real, like real death sequences, there you go. You are officially now an absolute ghoul at this point. Faces of death, though, even though there's crime scene, it's nothing worse than you would see when people are posting stuff on Facebook at this point. But back in the day, it was it was hardcore. But I agree. I think when you have officially reached rock bottom and you've you've exhausted the resources of what movies have to offer you then look for real life violence and at that point man you are riding a line with legalities <laughs> but you also got to ask yourself what is what is the morality behind Deciding as a as a content creator, if it's okay to exploit others' death that was captured on camera for your financial gain, I feel traces of death is just the worst kind of exploitive trash imaginable. Five 
quote unquote editions of this movie series that just literally takes people dying and line someone else's pockets with it. I think it's fucking horrible. I think it's horrible. Um, the rest of the stuff on that tier, I mean, if you like shockumentaries, there you go. But you've reached that era, level of ghouldom where now you're just watching real life death. So that's as far down as I personally have gotten. Now, before we even just like graze the surface of what what's underneath that, and you realize after that we're talking about just basically like illegal stuff. Let's let's talk about this journey to this point. We had regular horror fandom where you just open the door. Tier one is just opening the door. You're like, oh, I saw my first horror movie. That was great. What else is there? And you get to basically the, the tip of that iceberg. And you're like, man, I'm starting to really get into this. But I want to jump in deeper. And you watch Faces of Death. And the first tier is like, man, this is what Gouldum has for me. Oh, man, it's going to get wild, so wild. And you go down to tier four, and it gets wild really fast. And it starts to become dark and problematic. Tier five then is straight-up nihilism, straight-up torturous nihilism and misogyny, which, as you heard before, I have a lot of troubles with. And it's the kind of stuff that I personally don't gravitate towards. And then after you've explored everything that most ghouldom has for you, exploitation cult film and horror film, the ghoulish nature, the ghoulish, you know, eccentricities that you had, you explored most of it. What is next? The only thing that's left for you is real death. And that's what tier six is. So that's how far I traveled and my experience with it is that that's about as far as I wanted to go. And now as a 43-year-old man, nearly 44, none of this has a space in my heart anymore. Like, I am not interested in any of this shit. Not even remotely interested in any of this shit. A tier three is the furthest that I would even decide to go. I would decide to go anymore. I'm becoming a softie. And I just don't want to watch this stuff anymore. I used to be that hardcore ghoul. I used to be that edgelord. And as I've gotten older, I just no longer, after experiencing life and experiencing hardcore, horrible shit, I just don't want to be there. I don't want to live there anymore. I don't want to be in that headspace anymore. I've moved on. I don't want to say I've grown up because that feels like I'm being judgy towards other people that may still like this kind of content. And this kind of content, you watch this kind of content because it's punk rock and it's a middle finger to everything. It's like, fuck you. I'll watch whatever the fuck I want to watch. Good for you. Continue to do that. Don't censor yourself. Watch whatever you want to watch. And I don't feel as a society, we should be canceling out and censoring things that are being created. There's an audience for all of it. As a creative, personally, I do wonder why some of this stuff was created and what good it is. But as a society, we need to allow people to explore things to their furthest reaches. We need to be able to allow people that opportunity because there is a catharsis there. 
whether or not it is a sociological experiment for, to see what this does. I mean, that's for people with higher pay grades than me to sit and you know, answer that question. But I am always been of the mind, even though I don't watch this stuff anymore and I may be a little judgy about some of it. I'm just speaking towards my experience. I do feel that um, it has a place. And there are people out there that enjoy this for vicarious thrills or for whatever reason they they enjoy it. They should be allowed to do so. I personally am just not there anymore. Now, the last two tiers, which I can't really speak towards, but I, having watched a video that went deeper into this to explain this stuff, from what I gather, tier six, or no, tier seven, is nothing but porn. I'll read you the titles to these. And <laughs> you're going to get a few laughs. Maybe I'll even play like I did on <laughs> the Ghoul Summer episode. I'll play some light music here. Cue the light music. Here are the movies on tier six. Gusso Milk, one to four. UNKB, zero, zero, two. Channel 309, Squirmfest, Kuso Limitless, Genki Genki 18, 19, and 21, No Vaseline, The Great Porn Swindle. What a title! What a title! Saudi Scream Volume 1 to 5, The Motel Files and Other Random Cuts, KT Trilogy. And the coup de gras people. Vomit, enema, ecstasy, one and two. <laughs> you can just imagine what the fuck these are. These are extreme porno movies with very specific fetishes in mind. So obviously you've you've exhausted real life death of tier six and now you're going to exhaust real life ghoul porn that's what tier seven is and a tier eight from what i can gather is the illegal shit is the real snuff and other things that you know you want nothing to do with now do i sit and list these movies off do i sit and give them the space for you to want to go and see them. I'm not so sure. There were a few on here that I think just for the fun of it, I'm going to say. But some of it I've heard it, you want nothing to do with it, And I'm not going to point you in that direction to even talk about it. Obviously, we all know this is the final tier. This is where you are legitimately a threat to society. You watch this stuff, you're a legitimate threat to our society. Um, there's one called Porn Gore, Volume 1 and 2. The Ogreish Collection, which I believe it was an internet website. So it's kind of like Traces of Death, but way worse. Fetus Munchers, Volume 1 and 2. I can only fucking imagine what that is. And I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. 
The only other one I'm even going to say, because the rest of this stuff from what I had heard is legitimate snuff and stuff that you could get very much in trouble for even looking up. One, and this is the last thing we'll even talk about here with uh, the iceberg as we've already broken this down. Years ago on Facebook, this dude really tried pushing this shit. There was a collection of movies called The Most Disturbed Person on Planet Earth. And there were three volumes of this. And these movies were essentially mixtapes of the grossest shit he possibly find. Came out years later, there was child porn mixed in on these tapes. I hope none of you have copies of these. Gross. This person obviously knew (laughs) and put it out there anyway. This is ghoul shit for ghoul shit's sake. And honestly, don't give it a single second of your time. Tier eight. Fuck off. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. Most disturbed person on planet Earth. Those were well known because, man, did that dude push him on the message boards. That dude pushed him so fucking hard on those message boards. I'm glad that shit's gone. I'm glad we don't have to deal with it. I personally, I don't know about you all. I've become very disenfranchised with horror groups and horror message boards on the Internet, mostly because social media has made most people become insufferable pricks that I don't want to deal with for a goddamn second. Now, think about edgelords. Do you want to deal with insufferable edgelords? Nah. I'm choosing not to. I'm moving on. And if you're an insufferable edgelord, don't contact me. I'm not going to have a a contest, a dick-waving measuring contest about Gouldom. I don't care. I really don't care. As I said before, enjoy what you enjoy. And don't, just like religion, don't force that shit onto people that don't want anything to do with it. Live your life the best way you can live your life and enjoy what you like. Even though I'm judgy, we're all judgy. Don't act like we aren't all judgy. We are. Some of us just decide to say it out loud. Enjoy what you like. That my my takeaway from this is, man, whoo, ghouls. We've all been there. We've had that exploration. All us hardcore horror fans have had that expo- exploration. I'm done with it. This I wanted to do this episode mostly as kind of a padlock to an era in my life where I was watching extreme horror movies. And I've said I've talked about this on my podcast on um, the Patreon. If you've kind of joined me, and if you haven't, go over to patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z. And for the low price of one dollar a month, you can get bonus episodes and additional new podcasts such as Worst Movie Ever. That's my hard show for this episode. Um, I've I've sat and like talked at length about the fact that. I'm wondering how much of a horror fan I even am anymore. And what is the continuing progression of this podcast as a horror podcast? It's troubling to me for, uh, because I've centered a lot of what my persona is. And we all know what that means. Every one of us has a persona online. 
uh, as being a horror guy. And what that means going forward, I think I'm kind of going to start shedding that. I don't know how much of a horror guy I am anymore. I don't watch a lot of it. I watch some. Like, if you guys haven't, if I'm going to make a recommendation for any horror movies going forward, this is the one you got to watch. Psycho Gorman is the movie of 2021. You all need to go watch Psycho Gorman. Absolutely wonderful, wonderful movie. But other than that, I don't really watch horror movies anymore. And I don't know how much coverage here on Astro Radio Z we're going to devote towards horror film. So I kind of wanted this episode to be uh, that shutting of the door of an era of my life where I felt I needed to explore very dark places, not only within my being, but in cinema. And if you still are there, here you go. Find this. I don't know who put this thing together, but you can go pretty fucking deep into this kind of stuff. And I definitely went there. And I, as I said before, if you're a content creator, explore what you feel you need to explore. I just personally don't feel as a, a, a creator or as a consumer or as a horror fan anymore the need to explore the stuff or the want to explore this stuff. I think I, I'm done with it. So whether or not Astro Radio Z can be considered a horror podcast from this point on, I'm not so sure. I'm sure we'll talk about horror films here and there, but for the most part, I'm going to kind of move away from it. I'm just, I'm not watching it anymore and I'm not really all that interested. And I have a feeling I'll become more and more of a angry old man about horror movies from this point on, especially new stuff. I fucking hate new stuff real bad. And that's, I hate making podcasts where I'm doing nothing but talking shit because we have one life to live. And I feel we go to these podcasts for entertainment. And I'd like to talk and steer you guys towards things that are good, that you will enjoy, and not just be an angry, negative Nancy online. There's enough of those motherfuckers out there. Yeah, I I make a podcast called Worst Movies Ever on my Patreon. But those of you that took the time to listen to the Patreon episode... The last episode, uh, know that that's not my angle with the podcast. My angle is to dispute what people think are the worst movies ever and find the good stuff. Along the way, of course, we're going to find bad, bad movies. But my goal with it is to actually dispel that idea that what most people feel are bad movies aren't worth your time. I actually am of the opinion that a lot of them are. Now, whether or not the stuff on the horror iceberg is, I guess that's up for you to decide. But I've done my exploration into Gouldom. And it's as far as I want to go. How far did you go on the list from the movies that I described? Get a hold of me at AstroRadioZPodcast at gmail.com or on my Twitter page for Astro Radio Z, or on Facebook for Astro Radio Z, wherever. Get a hold of me. Let me know. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's all put the coffin door on Gouldom. 
and move on to a more enlightened place. No, that's stupid to say. But you know what I mean. Get a hold of me. I'd love to talk to you guys about it. I hope you're all having a great 2021 so far. It's weird to say, but this is kind of the first real episode of Astro Radio Z this year. I've enjoyed having this. I I know I talked about this on Facebook a little bit about doing this episode, but here we are. This is it. So until next time, I hope you all stay safe, stay healthy, and please take care of each other. Adios.